Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. In honor of my 50th birthday, I decided to train for and run a marathon. The idea was to show myself that 50 was just a number and the world that age wasn't going to get me down that I was strong and that I was tough. It would be triumphant, a celebration of a healthy life, an accomplishment to boast about. I had run two half marathons, was in pretty good shape, and felt ready for the next step. Running made me feel alive. I would run out the door of my apartment in the Fenway, around the park, down the Jamaica Way to the Arbor Way and further, or another classic for me, down Commonwealth Avenue, through the Boston Public Garden, through the Common, and then back down along the Esplanade. I loved the way it made me feel, strong and vital. So I figured if I was going to run a marathon, why not a classic one? So I entered the lottery first slot in the New York Marathon and got in. I was stoked. I started training using an online training program. In these programs, you run five or six days a week, steadily increasing your mileage with longer and longer monster runs on the weekend. And it was going great. There were some aches and pains, but massage and yoga and stretching kept me going. And then a few weeks before the marathon, there was a new pain, a sharp pain in my hip. I had some initial concern, but I had invested so much time and had had other aches and pains throughout So I just took more ibuprofen and kept running. I was determined to keep on keeping on, and I did. Marathon day, November 7, 2010, was exquisite. Gorgeous day. Couldn't have been better weather. Blue skies, temperatures in the 40s, and the energy in the crowd was incredible. Over 40,000 runners. The anticipation to get on the course was infectious, and electric. As I started, I felt some pain, but followed the sea of runners ahead of me, headed across Verrazano Bridge. It was incredible. I high-fived my way through Brooklyn. There's this incredible thing they do in New York. They stand on the sidelines and they give you high-fives as you're running along. It's just this incredible experience. So I went through Brooklyn, through Queens, crossed the Queensboro Bridge into Manhattan, mile 16 caught a corner of the Bronx, mile 20, and then back into Manhattan through Harlem towards Central Park. The day is still gorgeous, but I'm starting to feel some distress. I stop a few times to regroup, to stretch, to gather myself, to continue, and then continue. I am now in Central Park. I pass the mile 23 marker, continuing pain, continuing increasing pain, wow, this is feeling bad pain, and then I feel a pop. And my leg starts to go wiggy. So I stop, 
a bit past the mile 24 marker. Still high as a kite from the endorphins and still standing, I call my husband on my cell phone to ask him to help me come <laughs> get across the finish line. He asks where I am and tells me that a mile and a half is probably not something he can help me do. I ask for help around me. He finds me. Eventually, an ambulance comes to get me. I get to the emergency room with my cheering squad and learn the diagnosis. A broken hip. While I was showing myself and the world that 50 is only a number, and that age wasn't going to hold me down, I had actually, almost literally, and devastatingly broken my body in two. And then my husband broke my heart. The healing on the hip had not gone well. In fact, it didn't heal. It was what they call a non-union. So at five months, with my condition deteriorating, rather than improving, we decide we need to go for hip replacement. I see lots of docs, pick the right one, get it on the schedule, and at eight months, and at eight months after I broke my hip, I had a hip replacement. And while I was recovering from the hip replacement surgery, I got an email that rocked my world, that revealed that my husband had resumed an affair that, had, that I had thought was long over. The betrayal was devastating, and the soap opera kind of details were surreal, and definitely not what I ever imagined in my life. So I had broken my body, <laughs> almost literally in two, and now I had a broken heart. For most of my life, my default setting has been just pushing through. Just like I pushed through the pain of running on a stress fracture in my hip, taking it to the full breaking point. I had pushed through the death of my brother over 30 years ago in a similar way. But now life had stopped me in my tracks, and I had no alternative but to stop pushing and to start listening to myself, to those around me, and to the rhythm of life. And when I started listening, this is what I learned. Lesson number one. Love yourself. Listen to yourself. When you have a sharp pain, <laughs> a new pain, pay attention to it. It could be serious. The goal may not be that important, and the consequences could be great. Pain is there for a reason, to get you to stop. Heed it. Lesson number two. We need each other to hold us when life is tough. When I stopped to breathe and listen, I learned that there are amazing people in my life. And that my pushing through attitude was keeping me from appreciating them, from accepting their love, and from me giving them love. That in order to be healthy, I needed my friends my family, and my community, that there was incredible power in this community to hold me while I felt I was going to melt into the ground while I was falling apart. 
One friend took me in and let me live with her for a few months. You here at the Arlington Street Church embraced me with open arms. I began to reconnect with my sisters in a deeper way. I found that I needed people and that we are interconnected in this most profound way. We can ignore that connection or we can embrace it. I chose to embrace it. Lesson number three, secrets are corrosive to the spirit. Behind, behind the facade of a well-educated, seemingly happy couple who skied together, bicycled together, laughed together at the local pub, had engaging conversations with our friends, was unhappiness, infidelity, screaming fights, and emotional, verbal, and occasionally physical abuse. But it was our little secret. I didn't share it with friends or family. I just held it in. And it turned me numb inside. It nearly killed my spirit. And it fit perfectly in my pattern of going it alone, pushing through. But those tender spots, those difficult things, I encourage you to find someone to start telling your secrets safely to, a friend, a therapist, someone here at church. Start to get it out of your system. Start to metabolize it. What I found is that I was afraid to acknowledge that these things were going on in my life because I was ashamed of what it meant about me. And as I started to talk about it with Reverend Kim, my therapist, my sisters, my friends, I started to recognize that I was not alone, that these were not things to be afraid of sharing, but rather they were unhealthy things that I needed to remove from my life. Secrets had led to inaction, disconnection, pain, and loneliness. Openness and sharing secrets had led to action and love and connection and community. This is the most powerful thing I have ever learned. Secrets are corrosive. We need to share them with each other. Lesson number four. We need each other to tap into the broader beauty of life. I heard this lovely interview with Emmylou Harris and Rodney Crowell about their album of duets. The music is beautiful, and I was so struck by how they described their work together. They talked about how when they sang together, the song becomes the focus, rather than trying to draw attention to themselves. And I loved this description from Rodney Crowell. One person singing alone is a good thing, has a certain sound that calls out to you in the night. But when there are voices raised together, there is some kind of joy that comes into it, and the joy is sweet and to be shared. I feel like I am just beginning to learn this lesson. When I do let go and let others in, I think I am starting to get a sense of it, of what living deeply with others in the world can be, when you get past the superficial and truly love each other. It feels like I am tapping into a broader beauty a dance. So this marathon taught me a lot. 
It certainly didn't turn out like I expected. I didn't cross the finish line or prove that I was a super fit 50-year-old. I didn't have a triumphant story to tell. But I did learn that pushing through and going it alone are not good life strategies. I learned that we are deeply connected and that we need each other. I put an end to a life that was lonely, sad, and disconnected. And with your help, I started a new life that is richer, happier, and connected to people I love. Like the sycamore tree in the Wendell Berry poem, I have hacks and whittles, but I now feel rooted in the solid earth of a community, you, that loves, feeds, and sustains me. That embraces me when times are tough. That listens to my secrets. And that helps me tap into the broader beauty of life. It is an incredible thing. And I wish it for all of you. Blessed be.